Amen. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 this morning. Invite your attention. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. We're going to start in verse number 1. It's been a good day. Amen. I was reading a story this week about a husband and wife who had the same birthday and they were celebrating their 60th birthday. Uh, On the same day they had went out, they had done some things together and just having a good time. And toward the end of the day an angel appeared to them and said for your 60th birthday you both get one wish. Uh, and whatever it is, it's going to be granted to you. And the lady, she said, well, uh, right away she spoke up immediately. I know that's hard for you to believe, but she spoke up immediately. Uh, and she, that's right, that'll get you excited. Uh, but immediately she spoke up and she said, I want two tickets to an all-inclusive trip around the world. And poof, there was a little smoke and two tickets appeared in her hands. And the angel turned to the husband. He said, what do you want? Uh, and the husband thought long and hard about it. And he said, you know what I want? He said, I want my wife to be 30 years younger than I am. And poof, and a little smoke, and he was 90 years old. And, uh, you know, you got to be careful, like they say. you got to be careful what you ask for sometimes. But God has a way of doing things like that. But I'm glad this morning uh, that God doesn't always give me what I want. Uh, But I'm sure thankful this morning God has never failed to give me what I need. And He has always made sure that I had everything that I stood in need of for whatever the time might have been. And I can assure you this morning that as we look at God's Word, it is a a message from the Lord that we need. It is a time uh, of urgency and it is a message of necessity. In this time, Paul is writing some of his last words to young Timothy. And he is writing as an older seasoned preacher to a young younger, uh, new preacher that would be going on to continue on the ministry. And he writes to him and he warns him of the days that are going to come. He warns him of the condition of the culture that was going to come. He knew that Timothy would face some tough, some challenging, and some hard days. And he wanted to prepare Timothy for the days that were ahead. And I think that you would agree to this morning that the life that we have been called to live, the walk that we have been called to walk, the course that we have been called to run, and the fight that we have been called to fight is going to be one of challenge. It is going to be one that presents obstacles. It is going to be one as the time goes on. It will probably become more difficult. But let me remind you of this, that there's never been a day, no matter how dark, no matter how deprived, no matter how desperate the world might have been in, there's never been a day where God couldn't meet the needs of His children. There's never been a time where God wasn't faithful. And here Paul is writing to Timothy, and in verse number 1 he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. The men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, 
temptations, persecutions, afflictions, which came at me at, at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Here in our text, Paul warns Timothy of a day of danger. He says it's going to be perilous times are going to come. And I believe that Timothy would experience those dangerous times. But I'm sure that you would agree this morning that we're experiencing those dangerous times as well. I mean, who would have ever thought, it crossed my mind this week, who would have ever thought that our schools in little towns like this would have fences around them with barbed wire on top of it and that we would pay somebody to be a police at a small local school district that we would arm our teachers that were in the classrooms with our students when those things were going on. Who would have ever thought that churches would spend countless numbers of dollars on security systems and that people would feel the need to carry a weapon with them to the house of worship, but it's a dangerous day. I mean, who would have ever thought that when you went to Walmart, you would consider whether or not something dangerous and fatal may happen in that place who would have ever thought that in our purses and in on our belts that we would feel the need to conceal a weapon in case something arose that we needed to use it and I understand and I'm for all of that but what blows me away is that we are living in a day that is filled with that kind of danger today that we are living in a day where violence and danger and crime is just at a rise all of the time and in places and with people that you never thought it would be but it is because it is a day of danger not only did Paul warn Timothy of a day of danger but he also warned him of a day of depravity. When you look at verse number 2 through verse number 4, you read so many different characteristics of people. I mean, you read of the spirit of rebellion. You read of the spirit of, of wickedness and disrespect for authority. You read about those who are unthankful. You read about those who, man, they're just always ready to fight. You read about those who are accusing about not having the natural affection. I mean, this is a long list of depravity of a culture that that is just filled and controlled by sin. I, I'm sure it doesn't take long for us to look around and say we're living in that culture today. We're living in a day of depravity. We're living in a day where that which is right is called wrong and that which is wrong is called right. And that which used to not be talked about is now celebrated. And that which used to be done in secret is now done publicly and for all to see. We're living in that day. It is a day of danger. It is a day of depravity. But also, Paul warns Timothy of a day of denial. He said there are going to be those that have a form of godliness. You see, these days are not only going to affect the social world, they're not only going to affect the lost world, but they're even going to affect the Christian world and the religious world. He said they're going to have a form of godliness. They're going to appear to be godly. They might even profess Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they're going to deny the power of God in their life. They're not going to let God work in their life. They're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. They're going to quench the Holy Spirit. And they're going to profess to know Him, 
and they're going to profess to be religious, but they won't have any care in the world about what God actually wants to do in their life. They will deny the power of God. We're living in a day today of denial. There are so many people who profess Jesus Christ, but they have never yet surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. There are so many people that feel churches around this country yet do not live for Jesus Christ on a day-to-day basis. They have denied the power of God. It is a day of danger, of depravity, of denial, but also it's going to be a day of deception. He talks in this passage about those who are going to lead people away. He talks about how people in this same context will not endure sound doctrine. And there's just great deception around our world. It doesn't take long today to see that the deceiver is busy at deceiving, alright? He's doing good. He is making a lot of headway. And we see this great deal of deception today, even again in the religious world. You just walk around for a little bit and talk to preachers and talk to churches and talk to people that go to church and they'll talk about all of the different things that they believe and all of the different things that they think are true and you will look and you'll say where in the world did they get that from the Bible I'd say this morning they didn't get it from the Bible they got it from the deceiver All right, he has deceived people into believing that which is not true he has convinced preachers he has convinced churches to compromise to conform and to give in to things that are not true to change the way that they believe to change the way that the, what the Word of God says. And it is all of this deception and we are doing it under the umbrella of reaching people. Can I say this morning the devil is good at what he does, alright? The devil didn't say, hey, if you want to if you want to do this, go out and change all of these things and just take God. No, the devil said and he's pricked, put it in the minds of so many people. You want to win people? Change this. You, wanna, you want people to like you? Change this. You want to do this? Oh, God wants don't care. You say the devil wouldn't do that. He did it in Genesis chapter 3. He said as God surely said. He started deceiving then and he ain't quit since. He's continuing to deceive. It is a day of great deception but it is also a day of difficulty. Paul said, listen, all those that live godly in Christ Jesus, they will they shall suffer persecution. If you live for the Lord in your life, if you sell out and you live for Jesus Christ, there's going to be difficulty. And anybody that tells you there isn't going to be difficulty when you try to live for the Lord has never really lived for the Lord before. Anybody that would say, well, my life has always been easy. And listen, I understand that some lives may be easier than others from the physical eye. And you may look at somebody and say, well, they never had a valley in their life. You don't know what they had in their life, all right? You may look and you say, well, they never had to go through anything like I've had to go through. You don't know what they've gone through before. But if they're living for Jesus, I can assure you they got an enemy that hates And it's going to be a day of difficulty. We're seeing that in our day. We'll see that more as things go on. And as we consider these warnings that Paul gave to Timothy, we can understand how a culture in this condition could cause a person to grow weary. It could cause a person to be discouraged. It could cause a person to walk away from the Lord and to no longer serve Him. I believe that each of us have probably faced these very characteristics in our own lives. We've seen them in our own families. We've seen them in our circle of friends. And it's difficult sometimes. And there is a crowd in our world today that is preaching and telling the Christian, just give up on God and don't live for Him. If it's going to do that, if you're going to have to go through trials and it's going to be difficult and there would be persecution and and you're going to get on the wrong side and people aren't going to like you, well, well, just give up. 
And just don't do it then. Just throw in the towel. And just throw it in and quit. So many people today, they're like Job's wife. They see somebody suffering under the hand of God. And they see God allowing something bad to happen. And they say, well, just curse God and die. Just quit. And just walk away. That's the mentality. We'll just give up and no longer serve the Lord. But can I say this morning, it is never God's plan for God's people to quit and walk away and throw in the towel and no longer serve Him anymore. I don't know about you, but every now and then, I've watched a boxing match. Most of them were Rocky 1 through Rocky 5, but I've watched a few other ones, you know. And I think about what happens when you watch a boxing match. If you watch that, boy, that boxer can be in there and he can be getting hammered. I mean, left and right and left and right. You know who's responsible for throwing in the towel? It's not the crowd. It's not the other team. It's not the umpire or referee or whatever they call that guy. It's not the player himself. But there's one person that has the authority to throw in the towel and call it quits and it's it's the coach. He is the one that can say, all right, that's enough. And can I say this morning, our coach is still on the throne today and he hadn't given up and he hadn't lost any power. And there's never been a time where God has ever spoken from heaven and said, ladies and gentlemen, the fight has become too hard. The devil has the advantage. And at this time, I'm dismissing you to live however you want. You've never heard those words and you never will hear those words from the Lord. He'll never tell us to give up. He'll never throw in the towel. He has said things like this. Endure hardness. Press on. Stand firm. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord. Fight on. Endure. I mean all of these things. These are the words of the Lord. And in this context where Paul is writing to Timothy, he warns him of these days. He warns him of the culture. He warns them of the circumstances that will be around him. But I want you to look with me in verse number 14. Here's what he says to Timothy. He describes this dark, dangerous world of depravity and deception and danger and difficulty. And he says in verse number 14, but continue thou. Here it is, Timothy, all of these things are bad and the world is going down and the world is, is headed to hell and, and the world is spitting in the face of God. But Timothy, here's what you need to do. You must continue and you must press on and you must keep living for the Lord. In a day when the world doesn't want to live for the Lord, you ought to continue to live for the Lord. And in a day when the world says it's the last thing you should do, it ought to be the first thing that we do. Continue, continue, and continue. But to never quit no matter what is going on around us. Paul did not describe the culture so that he could excuse Timothy from serving the Lord. He described the culture so Timothy would know this, that our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ should never be contingent upon the circumstances around us. The commitment that we have to God, the commitment that we have to His church, the commitment that we have to His Word and to whatever it is that He has called us should not be affected by anything that is going on on the outside. You say, but preacher, you don't understand. We live in a world today, and I'm going to preach for just a minute, but we live in a world today that has this victim mentality. It is, I'm the victim of everything that has ever happened, and I'm not going to serve the Lord, and I'm not going to go to church, and I'm not going to be faithful because of all of these things that are going on around me. Because of all of these things that have happened to me. Can I say this morning, you can quit church because of the preacher, and you can quit church because of that 
that church and you can walk away and you might go to another church. You may leave here today and you may say, that's the sorriest preacher I ever heard and I'm going to go to another church. And you may say, that church, they didn't treat me right and I'm going to go to another church. And you may be right, but you'll never quit on God and be able to blame somebody else, alright? You can blame me for leaving here and you can blame this church for leaving here, but if you quit on God altogether and you say, well, I've just had enough. I've had enough of the way that people treated me. I've had enough of the way that people are doing things. Can I say you didn't get in the race because of what people did. You got in it because of what Jesus did. And that ought to be what keeps you in it. It's because of who He is and what He's done. Our desire this morning should be to continue and to be committed and to press on no matter what is going on around us. This victim mentality of always wanting to blame somebody. Always wanting an excuse. Always wanting to be able to justify our lack of commitment will carry absolutely no weight when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day. I can't imagine how many people will stand before Jesus and they will say, well, Lord, it was such a tough day. It was such a tough day. You remember the parable that the Lord told of those three servants and that one who hid his talent came and said, well, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man to work for. I knew that you were a hard man to work for and I hid that talent. You know what he told him? He said, you wicked and slothful servant is what he is. He said, that means nothing. You knew I wasn't. You knew that you could do what I asked you to do. You knew that it was possible, but you're evil and you're sinful and you're lazy and you didn't want to do what I called you to do. And I know that you probably didn't get up on Sunday morning to come hear somebody say that we're evil and we're lazy and we're slothful and we got all these excuses. But I want you to know, the Lord at all times throughout all eternity will always be worthy of the greatest level of commitment that we can possibly give to Him this morning. You say, well, preacher, I'm more committed than somebody else. That's not enough. You say, I'm more committed than what I was yesterday. Well, get more committed today. There will never be a day that will ever peak out on the level of commitment that we have to the Lord Jesus Christ. The circumstances, the choices, the culture, all of those things, they may change, they may come, and they may go. But what Jesus did for me will last forever. And it will always go on. And the change that He made in my life, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, but the change that He made in my life back on July 9th, that day, I hadn't got over that day yet, alright? I got saved that day and I got born again and I got my name written down in the Lamb's book of life and the blood was applied and there was a place in heaven and you say, well, that was 18, 19 years ago. I think, I think that's something I won't get over for all eternity. It's something I ought to never get past. It's something that ought to never grow cold. And every single day of my life when I wake up and I remember, hey, I'm saved, alright? And I'm going to heaven and I'm bound for that city. Then there ought to be a part of me that says I ought to give everything I got to the Lord today. And I ought to surrender it. And I ought to continue no matter what is going on around me. Here's Paul writing to Timothy saying, listen, it might be a dark day and it might be a dangerous day, but it's not a day to quit. And it's not a day to walk away. And it's not a day to throw in the towel, but it's a day to continue serving the Lord. Look at what he says. You say, well, how could Paul expect young Timothy to continue in such a day? He said, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. 
There were some things that Paul had taught Timothy that if Timothy would get rooted in and that Timothy would continue to believe and that Timothy would hold on to, it didn't matter how dark the day got, he would be able to press on in that dark day. If he would continue in these things, the things that were taught to him, the things that he was assured of. So many people today, they're trying to live based on the things that they're not certain of. Do you know what keeps me going? It's not the things that I don't know. It's the things that I do know that keeps me going. It's not the things that I hadn't figured out. It's those things that I know with all my heart. Those things that I'm assured of. Those things that you could argue until you're blue in the face. But I'd still believe those things because I've been assured of them. And they're certain. And they're without fail. And they're always going to be solid. And they're always going to be accurate. Here they are. Let me just give you three things and I'll be done. Go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. In verse number 12, he said, how could Paul expect Timothy to continue to press on? How can God expect us to press on today? Because there are some things that we have known and that we have been assured of. And because of these things, we can continue. Number one, our salvation is preserved. In verse number 12, Paul wrote in chapter 1, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. When Paul wrote about the sufferings that he endured as a preacher, he wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he credited his confidence not to his ability, not to his knowledge, not to what he had done in his own life, but he credited his confidence in the Lord because of the assurance of his salvation. He did not say that I hope I'm saved. Paul did not say I got a good idea that I'm going to be saved. But Paul said I know fully confident without any doubt whatsoever in my mind. I know whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded. I am fully convinced that He is able. Not me. Not the church. Not the religious world. But He. The one whom I have believed in. He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. Paul didn't endure the sufferings hoping he was going to go to heaven. Paul endured the sufferings because he knew he was going to heaven. And he knew that he was saved. And no matter what came in his life, there wasn't anything that would take away from the fact that Paul was blood washed and that he was born again and that there was an inheritance waiting for him in glory. He knew that with all that he had. And I'm glad to report to you this morning 2,000 years later that the salvation of the Lord Jesus is still by the grace of God. He said, I know whom I have believed in. Not whom I have worked for. Not whom I have served. Not whom I have preached about. Not whom I've been faithful to. But whom I have believed in. I'm thankful today that salvation is still the same as it was 2,000 years ago. I'm glad that God let Paul get saved by grace and I'm sure that glad He let me get saved by grace as well. And I want to say today that salvation is a personal thing. It is something that Paul chose to do on his own. He personally believed in Jesus Christ. He was religious. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean Paul had religious things down. He 
understood those things. But they weren't going to do anything for Paul's eternity. But there came that day on the Damascus Road when Paul got pricked by the Holy Spirit and Paul chose in his own will with his own decision making to believe in Jesus Christ and what Jesus did for him. And that day Paul got saved. And can I say this morning that God doesn't have any grandchildren and God doesn't have any aunts and nephews and nieces and anything else. God's got children is what God's got. And you're not in the family because you're a granddaughter. You're not going to get in the family because you're a grandson. You can't say this morning, well, my mama's saved, and so that's going to do something for me because you're not part of the family of God just because somebody else is saved. You're not there because you've been religious. If you're part of the family of God this morning, it is because there was a day somewhere in your past where you chose in your own will to believe in Jesus Christ and what He did for you. And that day He saved you and He saved you forever. Paul said, I am persuaded. Paul didn't say, man, you talk to some people today and you say, you're going to heaven? And they say, well, I hope so. You say, are you saved? Well, I got baptized. How sad of a world we live in, right? There ain't a lot I know today, but there's one thing I know for sure, and that is that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. There may be some things I might not know today and I might figure out later in life, but there's one thing I know for certain today, and that is when I called out on Jesus, He saved me that day. He didn't save me the next day. He didn't save me after I proved to Him I was serious. He didn't save me after I proved that I was sincere. But the moment I called out to Jesus, I became part of the family. I was born again, and I was adopted into that family, and I'll be part of that family forever. You know what Paul is saying here? He said, I'm fully persuaded and convinced that that which I have committed unto Him. He's going to keep against that day. Can I say this morning, there's a day coming that you need to be ready for. There's a day coming that's more important than any other day that you'll ever experience. But there's a day coming where all of death and all of hell will stand up before Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment. And that day of the Lord will come. And that day of judgment will come. And at that point, it will be too late to make any decisions that will affect or impact your eternity. But you will stand before Him in the Word says that the books are going to be open and you're going to be judged according to those books. You're going to be judged according to those books. And when you're judged, it's going to prove this, that you're a sinner, that you're guilty, that you have nothing good of yourself to offer to the Lord Jesus. And when you are proven guilty, He's going to look over in that Lamb's book of life. And if your name is not written in that book of life, it says that you will be cast into the lake of fire and it will be a place of eternal torments a place of eternal suffering, a place of eternal separation, and there will never be another opportunity for you to get out of that place. You say, well, preacher, how do I avoid that place? How do I avoid that day? How do I get ready for that day? You believe in Jesus and commit your soul to Him, and He'll save you, and He'll keep you, and He'll preserve you, and there will never be a day where you'll ever be out of the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul used that word, he said, I persuaded that He is able to to keep that which I have committed. That word committed, it has the idea of making a deposit. It has the idea of depositing something into someone else's guard and their possession for safekeeping. Hey, I'm glad this morning that I deposited my soul into the safekeeping hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and He's going to keep it forever. And there may come an enemy and there may come a day where somebody wants to grab it, but nobody's able to pluck me out of His hand and 
nobody's able to pluck me out of the Father's hand. He is able to keep me. He is able to preserve me. And Paul wanted Timothy to know, it may be a dark day, but continue in the things that I taught you, Timothy. And here's what I taught you. Our salvation is preserved. It's preserved forever. And when you trust in Jesus Christ, you don't get saved for a little bit. You get saved for all of eternity because He's keeping you. He's guarding you. And He's protecting you. As our culture may grow worse, our circumstances might get worse. My life, your life may flip upside down. But I can praise God today because I'm saved through it all. And I'll be saved until the very end. Not only is our salvation preserved. But notice also the Scriptures we have, they're perfect and they're profitable. Go back to our text in verse number 14, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. He told him, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And look at this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. And he says that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He said, Timothy, here's what you're going to do. You're going to continue in a dark day. And Timothy said, well, how am I going to continue in a dark day? Because you've got the Scriptures of Almighty God. You've got the Word that has been breathed out and it's perfect and it's profitable it is preserved it is precious and it is powerful in the lives of our people Timothy here's what you have that the world doesn't have you have the living word of God it was in the process of being completed it was in the process of being put together and for the most part Timothy's ministry would be different of that of Paul's ministry Paul's ministry existed pre-word of God pre before the New Testament Scriptures were completed. But Timothy's ministry would exist during the majority of the time where the Word of God was at its complete form and that they had copies of it. And here's what Timothy was to do. He was to build his ministry and his life on the Scriptures because they're perfect and because they're profitable to us. Look at how he describes them. He said, from the Scriptures we learn true sound doctrine. We may live in a culture that's forsaking it, but we've got the Word of God that teaches it. So when I don't know what to believe, I open the Word and it teaches me what to believe. From the Scriptures, we're made aware of our error and sin. From the Scriptures, we're corrected and we're shown how to make things right. From the Scriptures, we're given instruction on how to live a life that gives us what we need and one that is pleasing to the Lord. You see, the Word thoroughly furnishes us to be able to do all things. You know, I think back to the very beginning. And it was all formed by the Word of God, wasn't it? All formed by the Word of God when He spoke and He created all of these things. You go over into the New Testament and you begin to read. It was by His Word that He overcame temptation. It was by His Word that that centurion said, oh, you don't even have to go to my house but He can be healed. And Jesus said, Thy servant's healed. And He was healed. It was by His Word that Jesus walked up to that cemetery in Bethany and said, Lazarus, come forth. And here comes Lazarus. It was by His Word that He spoke it all into existence. That He holds it all and sustains it all. It was by His Word that He calmed the storm that was going on in that day. It will be by His Word that the dead in Christ are risen and those that are alive are changed. 
And it will be by His Word that He comes again and defeats all of the enemy that is on planet earth. And can I say, if His Word is powerful enough to do all of that, then His Word is powerful enough to give us what we need in the day that we're living in today. We can continue because of the Word of God. We don't need more wisdom from man. We don't need more philosophy from our world. What we stand in desperate need of today is simply the Word of God. To read it, to study it, to understand it, and to hear it. His Word is to my heart like water is to a body, isn't it? His Word is to my soul like bread is to the stomach. It fills it. It satisfies it. It gives it what it needs. It strengthens it. It nourishes it. I mean, everything is found right there in the Word of God. Young Timothy, as a young preacher, continuing to go on in the ministry, he could rest assured that no matter how dark the day got, the Word of God would always be profitable. And the third and the last thing that enabled Timothy to be able to continue the things that Paul taught him is that the coming of Jesus is promised. Look at what Paul says over in 2 Timothy chapter 4 in this letter packed full of things that Paul taught him and that he was assured of. Paul says there in verse number 7, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Paul's ministry was coming to a conclusion and he was wrapping it up. And as Paul is wrapping up his ministry and his time is coming to a conclusion, he looks at young Timothy and he said, I'm coming, to, I'm closing, but you need to continue. And can I say this morning to anybody that maybe or consider themselves a young person, the ministry and the work and the effort of those that have gone on before us will come to a close and we must commit in our heart that we will continue. Those that have held the torch for so long, those that have toted the responsibilities for so long, they will will not always be here to do that, but those of us that are following them must determine in our heart that while they're leaving and while they're closing and while their ministry is coming to a conclusion, ours is just starting and we will continue to do that which God has called us to do. That we will not let it fall by the wayside, but that we will pick up the torch and we will tote the load and we will do that which is necessary so the work of God will continue to press on. Paul wanted Timothy to know that he persevered, that he pressed on, that he finished. And it was for this reason, verse number 8. There he said, I've kept the faith henceforth. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. You know what Paul understood? Paul understood that there's a day coming, no matter how dark it may get, no matter how bad it may get, no matter how dangerous it might be, there was a day coming when the righteous judge was going to appear. And Paul said, I kept the faith. I finished the course. I fought the fight. You say, how'd you do that? Because I knew one day the righteous judge was going to appear. And Timothy, here's what you can be certain of. Here's what you can be assured of. Even in the culture that you're going to live in, I can guarantee you this, the culture will not prevent the coming of the Lord. The culture will not prevent the rapture of the saints. The culture will not prevent the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's coming. It's promised. It's going to happen. And Timothy, you can continue because you know that Jesus is coming back again one day. And in the darkest and in the most dreadful days that we face, there will never be anything that can take away the hope that we have 
have in the promised coming of our Savior and our King, Jesus Christ. Timothy, you can continue this week. Maybe everybody goes through different things. But you know, I preached a good bit last week and the first of this week and, and got to do that. And any time you've ever been on a high, you know what's going to happen? You're going to come down to a low. It never fails. Any time that things are going good, and man, you feel like you could just step on and you'd be in glory and everything be good, something's going to pull it out from under you. And sometimes there's absolutely no good reason for it. You don't even know why. But you get to that point. Yesterday I was driving home from the church and I just got to thinking about things and I was just in my head and I looked up. And I kid you not, I just looked up. And it was like God planted a little thought in my mind. Boy, what if that was Jesus? He just looked up and there Jesus would be in the clouds and He would be waiting for us in just a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at His appearing, everything that has overwhelmed me, everything that has concerned me, everything that has flustered me, everything that has irritated me, all of those things will be gone and I'll be in glory. And that hope that I have in the coming of Jesus Christ gives me what I need to press on and to continue. When I feel like laying it down and I feel like saying man I just don't know if I have it in me anymore I remember this could be the day there is a day coming I don't know when it is no man knows the day nor the hour God didn't put that in my department but what God said do is be ready for that day and be looking for that day and it's amazing that no matter how dark our life may be in the moment the light from the glorious hope we have of Jesus Christ can shine down from heaven and can light up the darkest place that we may be in and it may be 10 years from now before Jesus comes back but man it gets me going when I think about it right now and it will lift me up in the darkest and discouraged moments of my life and I assure you today that you can continue because of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ it is enough our salvation is preserved his scriptures are powerful they're profitable and the coming of Jesus is promised if you need more than that then maybe this morning you need to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. If that doesn't do it for you, if that doesn't say, well, man, I'm getting committed, then maybe this morning you need to consider and say, am I even saved this morning? Do I know Jesus Christ as my Savior? Have I called out to Him? Do I, do I have that day? Can I go back to that time when I called and I trusted Him? If you can't, I would encourage you and invite you today to put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. If you are a child of God, Hey, let's not focus on how bad everything is. Let's consider how good God is. And He is always worthy of the greatest level of commitment that we can possibly give to Him in our life. I want to ask you to stand with me as we have a verse of invitation. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for this day. Lord, we're thankful for who You are and what You've done, Lord. Thankful for everything that has transpired today. We give You all the glory, Lord. As we sing, we have this verse of invitation, Lord. I pray that You would stir in our hearts. If there's somebody here that's lost, Lord, I pray 